So this morning's speaker is a long-term New Lifer, um, someone I've known for 20 years, and she's been at New Life for over 20 years. Um, she was, she has in the past, she's led um, a marriage group for people with small children. She's hosted groups at her own. And over the past few years, she's been really invested um, in our kids' ministry here at New Life, being a wonderful gift to our kids on Sundays, and particularly in the area of storytelling. So today, um, Amy Ferreth will share her gift for storytelling with us. So please give her a great hand, Amy Ferreth. Good morning, New Life Fellowship. It's such an honor to be here. I want to thank Pastor Rich for giving me this opportunity to speak while he's away on sabbatical. For those of you that don't know me, I've been coming to New Life for about 23 years. It was actually here in this section that I met my husband in 1996, about three rows from the back. It was during one of those meet and turn and greet your neighbor uh, moments. And uh, we turned and we just kept shaking hands and talking and talking. And then after a few years, I graduated from Naya College and I told my parents that I wanted to continue coming here to serve. So I took buses to get here. And I remember the week after I graduated, sitting about here, and again, I was a seat away from Arnie. And when I told him during the meet and turn greet your neighbor, I said I graduated. He said, we should go out and celebrate. And that was the best line ever. (laughs) And the rest is history. We have four children, um, and they're all involved here at the church. We have Andrew, who's our oldest, and he's in the high school ministry. Connor and Gabriel are in the middle school ministry, and Emmett is in children's church. We've been blessed by the leadership at this church from Pastor Pete and Jerry and their emotionally healthy books and courses, and also their marriage ministry. It's so easy for marriage and any relationship to go up and down like a roller coaster, but their courses and and their ministry has given the opportunity for my marriage to be like a steady heartbeat of ups and downs and steady, ups and downs and steady. And I want to thank Pastor Rich. Pastor Rich is such a gift to this church. Him and his family, um, having them here, his teaching, his, his preaching, his training, his writing has all been a blessing and there's more to come. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're online, thank you for joining us. If you've been coming for a while, then may you continue to be blessed. My message today is waiting in the boat. We've been doing a series called Encounters with Jesus, and this is our last and final message today. We're going to be looking at John chapter 6, verse 16 to 24. That's John chapter 6, verse 16 to 24. Let's hear the word of the Lord. When evening came, the disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now, it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When when they had rowed about three or four miles, 
they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Verse 22, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite side of the shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, and Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd knew, realized that neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for being with us. God, I pray that we will have an encounter with you today. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're about to enter into, or wherever we've been, I pray for peace for each person here and those online. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious holy name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, my boys graduated from middle school and the guest speaker was Senator John Liu, and he gave a great commencement speech. He encouraged them and said, I know how hard you've worked and you've made it. And he said, you're gonna face challenges when you get to high school and beyond in the future. But then he said, let those obstacles be opportunities. And those words stayed with me. Later on, my husband and I, we wanted to sit down on the couch and have a talk with all of our boys about what that means obstacles being opportunities. So my kids love science and, and we're kind of a science family. So my husband used an analogy and he said, remember the trees. There was a study done by Rutgers University and the study said that the roots of trees are very smart. They wanna protect the tree from stress. So when there is no rain, the roots don't waste time waiting for it. They start to search, and they move, and they grow deeper and deeper. It states, some tree roots probe hundreds of feet deep, searching for water. And many tree roots send down through cracks in the rocks. Not only are the trees finding water, but they are becoming stronger and rooted in the end. So we told our boys, when obstacles come, don't give up. Trust God, he's gonna give you what you need when you need it. And when you face trials of any kind, remember that you're going to learn, you're going to grow, and you're going to become stronger in the end. In our story today, there are many people that are facing obstacles. We have three times people are getting into boats. We have the disciples getting into a boat and they're waiting for Jesus. We have Jesus getting into the boat to be with the disciples. And we have the crowd getting into boats, searching for Jesus. Last week, Pastor Glenn Packiam, he gave us the message of the crowd and the feeding of over 5,000 people. Our event today that we're gonna be looking at is right after that happened. We're gonna focus on the disciples today. 
The disciples are with Jesus as he's teaching this large crowd of over 5,000 people. They're with him when Jesus takes the two fish and the five loaves and he blesses it and feeds the people. The crowd wanted to stay with Jesus and we can't blame them. Here's a man who taught them and fed them. They feel safe when they're with him. But the crowd grew intense to the point where in John chapter six, verse 15, they wanted to take Jesus as their king by force. But Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. While he was feeding them spiritually, he was also just as concerned about feeding people spiritually. So he sent them home and he went to the mountain to pray. Now the disciples, they knew crowds and they probably were aware of the situation that was going on. But even still, I'm sure they would have preferred that Jesus would have gotten into the boat with them. After all, the day was almost done and there was only one boat left on the shore. But they did what Jesus asked. They got into the boat and they set off on the water. And here is where trouble starts for the disciples. So they're on the water, and in verse 17, we see that it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. It's hard to wait, whether it's light or dark, but when it's dark, it's hard to see everything. It's hard to see sometimes when we're in the dark mentally, sometimes we hit a dark spot emotionally and we just can't see everything the big picture. The disciples are in the dark, and then those words, not yet, just implies that they were expecting, they were waiting for Jesus. They lingered in the boat in hopes that he was gonna join them. Now this lake going to Capernaum, commentaries say that it's about seven miles wide at the widest part, and when the storm hits, they make it about three or four miles in. So they could have been struggling on the water for such a long time. In corresponding gospels, we look in Matthew and Mark, they say it was the fourth watch of the night. The Jews and Romans, they divided their night from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. into four three-hour intervals. So by the fourth watch, it's 3 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning. If they started in the evening, they could have been struggling for seven to eight hours. Now these were fishermen. They knew the waters. It was second nature to them. By the first watch, I'm sure they were fine. By the second watch, I'm sure they were exchanging glances and saying, we got this. By the third watch, I'm sure the waves were crashing and they were getting wet and exhausted. By now, maybe they were looking over the water saying, Jesus, where are you? By the fourth watch, fear sets in. They're hanging on for their lives and with every rise and crash of the boat, I'm sure they were hanging on so tight, scanning with their eyes, looking back towards the mountain, looking over the waters, saying, Jesus, if you don't come now, we're going to die. Jesus, please come. They were waiting and they were struggling. Have you ever waited for someone a long time 
Maybe you hoped someone would be there and they didn't come. Some of us wait for our friends to show up. Some of us wait for our spouse to come home. Some of us, maybe you're retired and you wait for your children to give you a call or come and visit. We all get stuck in a boat. Things could be going just fine and then the water starts to stir. Our boat could be anything. Maybe you studied hard to get into a certain school and you wind up somewhere else. Maybe you're in a financial situation and there seems to be no way out as you wait for that paycheck. Maybe you're stuck in an illness or a pain and you just want relief. Maybe you have a child with special needs and you're just waiting for things to get better. Emily Pearl Kingsley is an American writer and she wrote a poem called Welcome to Holland. She was often asked to describe the experience of waiting and raising a child with a disability. So she compares her time preparing for her baby to come like preparing for a trip. I'm going to read a couple parts. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all so exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. And several hours later, the stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks, and you must learn a whole new language. You will meet a whole new group of people you never would have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while, you catch your breath and you look around. And you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. Sometimes, when we're waiting for something, we don't realize that a gift is coming. I understand this poem, and I can relate to it. I've been stuck in many boats. I remember feeling a little stuck when I left my job to be home with my three little kids. I had three kids under the age of two. It was wonderful but sometimes it was bananas. We would have so much fun, and sometimes I wouldn't get things done. Sometimes I was trying to work my days and figure out how to balance my time management, and my husband would walk in, and he'd step over all the fun that was all over the floor. I promised my boys that I wouldn't put up any embarrassing pictures, but this was one of the least embarrassing pictures and these are the twins, 
and they're looking for some fun in the fridge, and they're probably taking things out and squealing with delight. And you don't see Andrew in the picture, my oldest, but he's probably holding open the refrigerator door. <laughs> and he's saying, look, Ma, look. So we had a lot of fun. And when I talk about my kids, I try to keep it light because they are my joy and they are my heart. But the truth is, there were many tough times and there were struggles. And through those challenges, however, the time seemed to go quickly. The years passed. But when I had my fourth son, time stood still. My son was born with three holes in his heart, and soon afterward he was diagnosed with trisomy 21, which is also known as Down syndrome. I was very much in awe of him, because with all his issues, trying to breathe, trying to eat, trying to, to get his heart to work with heart failure, trying to regulate his temperature. He worked so hard to live, and I wanted to match that. I would look at him and say, you're my champ, and I'm gonna do the same for you. There were many nights that I burned the midnight oil, staying up late. I would tuck my kids into bed, I would say goodnight to Arnie, and I would turn off all the lights in the house, and I would come into the kitchen. And I would pull up a chair, and I had my, my laptop, I had my pen and my notebook, and I started to Google. And I started looking up homeopathic remedies. I started looking up um, alternatives to medication and alternatives to procedures and surgeries. I started looking up anything natural that could help him in his development, help him to be healthier. I would take notes after notes, not wanting to miss anything, afraid that I might forget. And this, this was my boat. And the waves still crashed. And I would say, how long is this going to go on? And years after years, I kept researching. I would bring him to new doctors. I would try new remedies. And I sat in my boat, and I started putting together a binder. And I realized that I would say to myself, but I'm a mother. I should know these waters. This should be second nature to me. But I kept on going. I kept on going. I'm going to pause my story for a minute to go back and look at the disciples. The disciples were struggling in their boat for about eight long hours. Some of you might be in a situation and you're struggling for eight days, eight months, even eight years. Jesus sees you. And he saw the disciples on the water waiting for him and struggling for him, but he didn't run in and stop it. No, he waited because there was a miracle coming. Sometimes we wait. We don't realize that a gift is in the waiting, that a miracle is coming. He walks on the water to them gently and calms the storm. Why does he do this? Why does he walk on water? He does it to show his authority 
his authority over the situation, his authority over the waves and the crashing wind. In verse 19, the disciples saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. And I know when I'm afraid and my mind starts going in that direction, it's very easy to make myself more afraid. And it's even easier to see something good coming, but mistake it for something bad. But Jesus says to them, it is I, do not be afraid. When he says, it is I, he's saying, I am the I am. Look at who I am. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. Immediately, the boat reached the shore where they were heading. They might have had a few miles left, but this is a miracle inside of another miracle. This is a hidden miracle that only John states in his gospel. And I love that he puts it there because He's saying that this is God's grace. This is what God does for us. When we're stuck in our boat, when we take our eyes and we see him, and we focus our eyes on him, he gets us there. We have to trust him, and the fear and the worries will fade away. He gets us where we're supposed to go. In my story, I knew that Jesus was with me. I invited him into my boat many nights. Even though I couldn't feel anything or see how he was moving, there was something else happening. A learning curve was taking place. I was studying and studying and I had research tucked under my belt. And when I was tired, I felt my roots of faith getting deeper and deeper into my heart, making me stronger. Instead of feeling helpless, I would go to the doctors feeling hope, feeling my faith, having trust, knowing that I had research in my mind and my son was doing better. All those years wanting God to give me answers just like this, and wanting healing to come quickly, I learned that there was a gift in the waiting. Jesus was with me every step. And I imagine that he could have been nodding and saying, look what you've done. Look how far you've come. I was doing a new thing in you. God was giving me an experience, letting me learn things I never would have learned letting me talk to people I never would have talked to, finding strength I never knew I had. The good news is we don't have to wait for Jesus to come walking down the mountain, crossing over the water to be with us. He's here right now. He waits for us to invite him into our boat. Jesus when he went on the cross, he felt every situation that you have felt, every storm that you have been through, every pain that you have felt, he took it upon himself and went on the cross in love so that we could never say, Jesus, do you see what I'm going through? Do you know what I feel? He sees it all. And Jesus is a gentleman 
He doesn't just get in your boat. He waits for you to invite him in. He doesn't take the oars. He shows you and guides you and gives you the strength to use them to get to where you need to go. If you're facing obstacles and you're tired, remember the trees. If the wind starts blowing, have no fear. If the waves start crashing and stirring, hang on tight because God is with you and he's doing a new thing in you. Keep your eyes focused on him and he's gonna get you there. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for walking our walk with us. Thank you for being in storms with us. You sometimes wait for us to look up and trust you, and you are so faithful. God, I thank you for being with each one of us here. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for taking us places. And there's a gift waiting for us. I pray for each person sitting in this room, and I pray for the people watching online, that you will fill them with your peace, fill them with your strength. In Jesus' precious and holy name, and we all said, amen. So this message is a perfect opportunity for us to lead into communion. Um, it doesn't matter who you are or what age you are or where you're from, all of us have a boat. And at some point in our lives, the flood of the waves is gonna overtake us. And it does, you know, if you're not there now, maybe this is a peaceful season and the waters are all peaceful. Um, and maybe you've just come out of a storm. Uh, but if neither of those apply to you, um, you're gonna be heading for a storm. It's just, it's the nature of being human beings. It's the nature of the world we live in. And so communion is a wonderful opportunity for us to be on a level playing field. We all need communion. We all need to come to the table and sit at the feet of Jesus and remember who he is and what his promises are to us. So we're gonna share communion. Um, we're going to first do our prayer of confession. You're gonna come, the, the um, ushers will lead you. You'll take your elements, go back to your chairs, and then we will take together, okay? So let's share, um, let's share our prayer of confession together first. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, we have sinned against you through our own faults, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Let's begin.
your point of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light and as you speak a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath the planets if the stars remain worship so alive I can see your heart in everything you made every burning star a signal fire of grace if creation sings your praises so So alive. 
the Apostle Paul tells us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood for you. Do this in remembrance of me as well. For when you take the bread and you take the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until the day that he comes. Let us take together. You know, we're all in the boat, right? We're in the boat together, and, and we're in it together, and we're in it alone at the same time. But the thing is, remember what Amy shared with us. We're in the boat with Jesus as well. And so I know, I know for myself, there are times when it does not feel like he's in that boat with me, and it feels like I am really, really alone. And that there's no one that understands, no one that hears, no one that really gets what I'm going through. But in the same token, I know that that's not true. And so sometimes for me, I need to be reminded. Communion is an opportunity to be reminded. And then prayer is an opportunity to be reminded. And so I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up to my left and to your right. Um, Some of us, we just need to have somebody pray with us. We need somebody to take our hand and just help us to remember we're not in the boat alone, that he is with us. The solution doesn't always look the way we want it to look, right? So he shows up, but it may not be the way that you expect. And sometimes we need to rely on each other. That's why we encourage everyone to be in a small group, be in relationship with other people, because some of us need to be able now to go this week when we go to small group and actually share the truth about our journey and say to somebody, you know what? I've been struggling for a long time and I'm alone. Like Peter talked about the pure desire group. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes it's time to say, this is me. I need help. And the shocking thing is when you do that, you can realize other people need help too. It's not just you. And you're not alone. And there's comfort in not being alone. There is comfort in that. And some of us need to just extend our hand, extend our hand. It could even be somebody in our family that we really, you know, we haven't necessarily been there for. We've been afraid. Um, it's been a challenge. The relationship is not that great, perhaps. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to recognize the boat that they're in and join them in their journey. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, again, please come forward, um, get prayer if that's you, um, and allow somebody to meet with you um, and Jesus in that journey. So please extend your hands. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, I pray that as you recognize the boat that you're in, and if you're in the boat and the boat is flooded and the waves are still coming, that you would reach out and grab the hand of Jesus. 
And I pray that we will recognize others around us that similarly need a hand, need to be reached out to, need to realize that Jesus is there for all of us. I pray his light would pierce the darkness that we feel and that his peace would settle over each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.